Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ donation and transplantation. Today's episode is part two, the Donor Care Center, the future is present. We will be continuing our discussion on how the Donor Care Center transforms the donation process. Adam Keaton is our guest once again. He's a critical care nurse. He's also a local recovery manager and manages the donor care unit. Just to kind of recap, the last episode was the donor care center, the historical perspective, because we were just kind of given an overview of the last 20 years and how this has transitioned. And then, you know, you all as LOPA have had it for the last four years. And so today I want to really kind of get a little more granular on like what that process looks like. So I think one of the things that a lot of people may have a question about is like, what donors are transferred to the donor care center? There's two types of organ donors, right? Your brain dead organ donor, which is a patient been declared brain dead, which is a legal determination of death. Uh, and then we have DCD donation, which is donation after circulatory death, where the patient has a devastating injury but not able to be declared brain dead for some whatever uh, reason. The DCD donors, because they are not declared deceased, uh, are unable to be moved to our facility. They stay under the care of their attending physician in whatever facility that they're at for that time. So prior to being having the withdrawal of care and the donation occurring at the donor hospital. Yeah, exactly. So the DCD donor is uh, continually cared for, for by the hospital team uh, until the moment of uh, death. And that's when the, the surgical recovery happens. Uh, so only brain dead donors are able to be transferred to our facility. So that accounts for the majority of our brain dead organ donors. So in talking about like the transfer, you know, I think there's, you know, it's, it'd be good to mention that there's some things that happen prior to that actual transfer. It's not just, you know, the patient is declared, we receive authorization, and then we transfer the patient out. So what are the things that are needed prior to that transfer from the hospital to the donor care center? Yeah, it's not just a a swoop in and roll out, right? Um, there are some things that we need that we're unable to obtain here at our facility. Uh, only a few things, but uh, very important things. Um, one is we need to make sure that the donor family is is on board and and ready for the patient to be transferred. We never want to rush them. We want to let them know that, um, I mean, we're here for them. Um, and we want to make sure that that they're prepared for the move and are ready for us to move before we even start making those plans. So in other words, if you had a family that had, you know, extended family or additional family members on uh, coming in and they needed to hold off a little bit or, you know, that was their wish, then, you know, obviously that y'all would accommodate that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the most common reasons we would hold off on moving is there was additional family, you know, that hadn't arrived yet that wanted to see their the their loved one. Um the, the other reasons are more clinical. So uh, we can do a lot of diagnostics, and I hope we get to talk about those uh, later in the episode. But um, one thing that we don't have at our facility is capabilities for a coronary angiography or heart cath. Um, we do heart caths on uh, many patients to work up the heart to see if the heart is transplantable. Uh, and we don't have that capability here. So we do often get... Uh, a heart cath in the hospital before transferring. 
A couple of other things are uh, requirements from our uh, OPTN, uh, which you know governs our industry, uh, and those are things like an initial set of labs, uh, which is just basic uh, chemistry panels, hematology, um, coagulation studies, cardiac enzymes, things like that. Another big one is cultures. Um, we do have to do blood cultures, sputum cultures, and urine cultures on all our donors, and that's an OPTN requirement. Uh, so we have to get those in process in the hospital and ensure that those are continued uh, throughout until they get to their final result because we do have to re report those. Very important, obviously, for uh, immunocompromised recipient that uh, they know if they're, um, the patient has any kinds of infections that they need to treat the recipient for. I think one of the things, too, that we haven't talked about is the transfer, how how do you set that up? How is that coordinated? Right. So we have staff that uh, man the donor care unit, which is our ICU uh, type unit in our donor care center uh, with that staff 24 hours a day. Uh, then we have our coordinators that go out into the hospitals uh, all over the state and care for the donors in the hospital. So that organ recovery coordinator that's in the hospital caring for that donor will set up transport when it's time by calling an ambulance service that we have contract with. Uh, requesting a critical care transport ambulance or plane, depending how far away we are from our facility. Uh, we'll set that up for a certain time, uh, let the family know that it's been confirmed. We'll uh, talk to the hospital administration, let them know the plan, uh, make plans for any honor walks uh, that we're going to do uh, for the transfer, uh, and then uh, transfer the patient down. And then that recovery coordinator will hand over care of the donor to our staff that man the donor care center. Now that we're talking about the patient being transferred over to the donor care unit, kind of talk about like once they're received, what that process looks like, what takes place after that. All of our organ recovery coordinators, which, you know, do the medical management of our, of our donors, uh, both in the hospital and, and in our donor care unit, most all of them have backgrounds in critical care nursing. So they didn't stop being nurses when they came to work for LOPA, right? So the same commitment that they have to patients in the hospital, they have for patients here. Organ donor management is a bit of a, a niche, I'd say, like part of medicine, and it's very specialized. Yeah, because, I mean, we're talking about brain-dead patients. Exactly. The body's shutting down. So exactly. now you're, yeah. There's both uh, benefits and challenges associated with that. Challenges being... This patient's brain is no longer functioning, so all the um, functions of the that the brain does for the rest of the body are completely out of whack. Right. The advantage is we don't have to worry about the brain. So when we're doing donor management, uh, we don't have to worry about how a certain treatment is going to affect the brain. In all of medicine, you have to account for all parts of the body. Right. How is this treatment going to affect the circulatory system, the respiratory system, and Often, most importantly, how is it going to affect the brain? We don't have to worry about the brain. We have a very limited amount of time that we can maximize organ function in these patients, usually one to two days that the donation process takes. Um, so we often have to be very aggressive in our medical treatments for donor management to maximize organ function. And because we don't have to account for the brain, we can be a little bit more aggressive in the treatments than we do to correct things like the fluid balance, uh, ventilation, the pH, uh, endocrine disturbances, electrolyte imbalances, things like that. Um, so it's really exciting to be able to, to take those aggressive measures and see uh, the outcomes, um, the effect it has on the patient. One other thing about when we care for our donors, 
we're one-on-one with that patient. So we have the time to sit in the room and tinker with the ventilator to make sure the ventilation is exactly how we want it and maximize oxygenation of the lungs, uh, oxygenation of the body through the lungs. Uh, We can really sit there and make minute adjustments to maximize organ function. Where in the hospital, the ICU nurse has at least you know, one or two other patients and the doctors in the hospital have 20 other patients, you know, that they're caring for. Um, so along their time with, is precious. Along with other families oh, and yeah. other duties Along with all the else. things so, that come right. with uh, being a physician or a nurse in a hospital setting, right? You have tons of responsibilities. Ours is very laser focused on only that patient. But what are the things that you are able to provide when we're talking about that maximization of organ donor management? What are some of the, you know, you want talking about diagnostic testings and the equipment and those types of things? Right. So all the normal diagnostics that we use to work up uh, organ donor, you know, evaluate their organ function, we have the capability to do here. Other than the the coronary angiography, like I talked about before, we have our own CT scanner. We have our own portable x-ray machine. We can do bronchoscopies here, including serial bronchoscopy. We can do echocardiograms that we use to look at the heart. We can do serial echoes here. We can even do transesophageal echoes here. We have our own lab testing equipment. So we have our own analyzers for uh, chemistry panels, hematology, arterial blood gas, uh, urinalysis. We have capabilities for sharing all those radiology images and studies with the transplant center. So we have a remote pack style system that we use that our studies automatically upload to immediately. And then we can share a link with that transplant center to where that surgeon looking at that organ can immediately go in and view that exam on their laptop or mobile device can see the actual images for themselves to help them make the best decision they can for their recipient. So it's also expediting your case time, correct? Exactly. I think a big part of the increased organs transplanted per donor, which is a a big metric that we look at, that's higher here in the DCC. I spoke about it a little in the last episode, but I think that... And uh, it was right at like 0.5, correct? Yeah, 0.5. Uh, organs per patient. You know, it's just under that. It's 0.45 or, or something in that in that ballpark. Uh, but I think the reason for that uh, is not that w- we give any better care than the patient gets in the hospital, right? I think it goes back to timeliness. When you need a, a test, let's say, uh, for example, a chest x-ray, something's going wrong, something's not quite right with your patient, you need a chest x-ray or a lab test. You put that order in the computer, it goes down to radiology or the lab, uh, somebody gets it, and they dispatch somebody to come up to the unit and do that, you know, collect the sample, shoot the x-ray, whatever. Maybe it takes 10 minutes for them to get up there. Maybe it takes them an hour because they're busy doing other patients. Maybe they get called away to an emergency, and they get there when they get there. Then you wait for that lab or that x-ray or uh, whatever test to be resulted, and then for them to post it so you can see it or read by radiologists. Um, Here, if you need a chest x-ray, you walk out in the hall and you grab the machine and you shoot it and you have your image immediately. If you need a lab, you go over to the patient, you draw it, you walk over to the other side of the room, literally 10 feet away uh, from the patient, and you put it on the analyzer, you run it, you get your result immediately. So So you're determined to make the adjustments. Yeah, you make immediate uh, adjustments based on your you know, your results uh, from your diagnostics, you can make that change immediately. So there's no delay, um, which uh, in a hospital with so many patients and so few 
people to provide those services, um, there's just a built-in delay, and that's just you know that's the system. It's it's how it works. So um, here we don't have that. So it's immediate results, immediate changes, uh, and I think that overall that in combined with you know being able to go to the OR when we need to, um, no delays, things like that. That's what gets us to that 0.5 organs transplanted per donor better when we do a donor here versus in the hospital. That's incredible. One thing I'd like for you to reflect on, uh, and I've actually heard you talk about it, but I want you to to really share it with everyone else because you know it really it really matters. And I think that is is that how is this process, how has this experience been for you all? You know, you as 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 an agency, you all as staff members, you all as clinicians, how has this experienced? Um, you know, impacted you all? I think it's been a tremendous impact for us. I know for me personally, and I think for my staff uh, that work in downstairs in the donor care unit and care for these patients day in and day out, it's a hard job, right? Uh, it's stressful. You know, we are around death all the time. It's just the nature of the work that we do to be able to uh, save the lives of others. And when we work here, it's uh, the way I usually put it is, this is like my home. This is like my staff's home. So when we come here, we feel like it's like working from home, right? Like this is your home base. You feel 100% comfortable here. You know how to get things done. Uh, you know where everything is. So when you come in this building, it's like it's like working from home. So if you could work from home, you could provide better services. You get better outcomes while simultaneously providing relief to your overburdened, overworked hospital partners, like, why wouldn't you do that? Mm -hmm. It's a no-brainer. It's a win-win. Personally, from my last comment, because you couldn't have gotten to a better place was the fact of you calling it, like, home. And one of the things that I've seen that, you know, it really, it, it never changes the feeling is the fact that this is family. You know, this is, this, this agency is a family. And, and seeing you all work in regards to uh, being committed and dedicated to these families and these heroes and also those lives being saved. And, you know, when you're when you're driving up and you see that Donate Life flag, you know, it's it's honoring not just one, it's just honoring all of them. So I actually want to twist your arm and maybe ask you on for another episode, but uh, I guess all good things have to end. But anyway, um, is there any lasting thoughts that you want to provide? I know that we've covered a lot kind of quickly, but um, is there anything you want to leave us with? Uh, I would just say going back to your point, um, about us being a family is, um, I think that's because we're all here working towards a common goal and that's saving lives through donation and transplantation, right? Um, I think that everybody that works here at LOPA knows that that's our mission. Our mission is making life happen. Regardless of the day-to-day challenges we face in the DCC, in the hospital, with our jobs, uh, we know that that's the ultimate outcome that we're working towards. Uh, I think having the donor care center enables us to fulfill that mission Well, very sincere and genuine words thank you adam for being here and sharing your dedication and commitment to making life happen absolutely thanks for having me remember you can register as an organ eye and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to connected by life on your favorite podcast app remember you are a light worker Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. 
To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.